0: This impactful conversation is brought to you by Say Things Better, a method of intentional communication developed by Laila Smith. I met Laila on LinkedIn and we immediately connected due to her open heart and wisdom. She helps entrepreneurs and thought leaders to make impactful choices for their communication. The Say Things Better messaging framework is the way she managed to build her own following of over 25,000 fans. Follow Say Things Better on LinkedIn and connect to Laila through her website at saythingsbetter.com. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast with your host, Andrada Aniti, where we find out how regular people with great ideas make an impact by choice. Today, I would like to introduce to you to a woman that likes to coach other other women in getting to that point of acknowledging their greatest purpose and to get in touch with their own selves. Confession time. I'm going to tell you that I'm really nervous to have Louise Age Reid on the show today because she's in that place where I want to get, um, you know, somewhere in the near future. So I'm not going to say absolutely anything. I'm going to let her introduce herself. So welcome to the show, Louise. Thank you so much for accepting to be my guest.
1: It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for thank you for the intro and introducing myself. Wow, that's. Uh, I always find that tough. I find it easier to introduce other people than myself. Um, but before I even do that, I wanted to acknowledge something that you've shared with, with me and, um, and divulge a little bit to the listen, your listeners, and that's that you, in having me on the show, it's, you've gone to sort of your next level of discomfort. And I think I want to acknowledge that, and I really want to sort of celebrate you for that, because I think that's a really great, you're a really great example of really what we're trying to encourage others to do by making, you know, making an impact by choice is, is, is will take stepping into that next level of discomfort. So you've done that. So you've done that.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Tell tell us a bit after you introduce yourself, please tell us uh, a bit about this upscaling your next, um, going to the next level of your discomfort, because I just loved it. I heard it in your show, in your last episode, and I want my listeners to learn from you What, where does that come from and what do we need to take from it? Sure. So
1: my intro, uh, I am a 43 year old woman who had sort of a midlife awakening, um, a little bit before midlife. And I decided to uh, turn my life around, uh, and to live my life with intent, um, as opposed to living my life the way that I had designed it, which had actually made me miserable. And so the long and short of it is I um, decided to make, make choices in my life that were extremely scary, which did involve leaving a relationship of 25 years. And I decided to leave corporate and start my own business to follow my true purpose and passion. And that's helping women level up in their lives. I'm particularly interested in the intersection between business and life, mm-hmm. um, and in the coaching that I do with women, um, essentially, I help them stress less and live more, and I usually that. stress less, live more, and all my stuff is rooted in positive psychology, because I've got a science background, so I'm a bit of a science geek, mm-hmm. um, and I like the intersection of science and soul. We're not human doings, we're actually human beings and that's where I like to play.
0: Right, right. And I've, I've actually listened to that in your previous shows that you are a, um, a science geek, as you say. And I just love the way that you say it and that you admit it so, I mean, you just own it. You know, when, in times where people either go for only personal acknowledgement or for I don't know business acknowledgement you're you're getting into that intersection I think that's fascinating tell us more thank you so um you
1: know I think that we're always in the process of becoming you never arrive and as soon as I realized that it changed nothing and yet it changed everything So, as it relates more specifically to your question, so, you know, I, my dad is a nuclear physicist, my mom um, was in in psychology, and I grew up in a house that was more science focused, Mm -hmm. you know, science was the way of the world, and if you couldn't see it or prove it, it wasn't real, Um, and so I grew up that way, I got a biology degree, and yet I still felt this something inside, and I guess it was my soul's whispers that I really ignored for many, many, many years. Um, and I've, I've, since, I've since heard Oprah say something and that really resonated with me, and that's uh, listen to the whispers of your soul. And so I started listening to those whispers. Uh, back in 1997, which seems like forever ago, I did take uh, I did study wellness, and at that time wellness was like voodoo. Um, I used to say wellness and I had to whisper it because I felt like if I said it too loud, there'd be this, I don't know, an atomic bomb that would go off around me or something because people were so nerd, like what the heck are they, gonna, is she gonna pull out this doll and, and put pins in me or something? Right. Um, and so even though I was really passionate about that whole exploration of soul at that time and, and personal and human well-being. I tucked it away for a while because there really was, there was not that much of an acceptance of it and I guess I wasn't strong enough in my own sort of s- sense of self to sort of, to embrace that and see how that could, I could, igno- I could bring that into my view, my worldview. Mm-hmm. So as life carried on, you know, and I worked in corporate and I did some stuff and I did some great stuff, but it was really out of alignment with my, my, my sense of self I went through personal things, I went through professional things, and through all of that, what I've learned being in my 40s now is you can just so own who you are, acknowledge with confidence who you are not. And it's sort of allowed those, by choice I allowed those things to align and I really stepped into my science and soul practice. Um, So that's sort of the long-winded explanation and story is that winding road about how those
0: things came together. Mm. But I want to ask you given have given your your background with your parents as scientists, both of them um, I understand that you l- started listening to your soul whispers more whispers more and more. However, how did science get along with with the soul parts? you know many people probably think still think that science and you know, personal development still exclude each other. What, what would you tell anyone that would ask you something like that? How, how to merge them? I, I think that's a fantastic question, and I love that you asked that.
1: And thankfully, there's an area of psychology. It's called positive psychology that's been looking at this for about 25 years. And it is sort of that intersection of what actually makes a human successful and fulfilled. And it's been looking at neuroscience. It's been looking at, they've been looking at um, different hormone levels in the body that occur when you do things that make you feel good. And so science now is backing up how having fun in your life and the chemicals that get released in your body decrease stress and give a greater sense of overall happiness and well-being. And we're on this quest, I mean, really, isn't everyone on a quest just to... Feel good each day and enjoy the people in their lives and enjoy doing yeah. what they do at work. And so now, science—now we have the science to back up that having fun, engaging in work that makes you feel lost. You know, the passage of time—you um, don't even aware, you're not even aware of the passage of time, and you miss meals and you don't even notice. You're in that flow. There's now science and physiology and research that backs up why that actually contributes to high levels of sex, success, and well-being. Relationships, same thing. Um, oxytocin is released in the body. Uh when you're feeling good and engaging in conversation and in and real true connections with other people who um who matter to you. And that then reduces stress hormones. We know what happens to the brain when we're in when we're under stress and our ability to problem solve and innovate shuts down. So There's right. science to back all of this up now. And so the answer is then being in touch with your soul and engaging in things that are good for your body and your mind and your soul make you more productive then when you're engaging in work that lights you up, that's, um, you know, and that's and that's um, achievement-based, right? It allows you to be more successful in those areas of your life when you take care of your, your soul. And yeah, that's, you can tell it kind of like, light, it lights me up because this stuff is is majorly impactful, and people can make a small step each day towards greater success and fulfillment.
0: It's funny that you said that because just last evening I bought I bought a book, which is called. One second, let me tell you. Um, it just it came to my mind because you said about small steps, and I just loved its title and the principle. Uh hold on one second one second you've got me
1: sitting on the edge of my seat and I'm gonna write this down because I'm a huge reader. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. It's okay.
0: Uh is one small step can change your life. Ah. The Keisen, uh principle. The Kaizen Way. <laughs> awesome. One small step can change your life. Mm, sure. Love it. The Kaizen Way. And it's written by Robert Moore, M-A-U-R-E-R. M-A-U-R-E-R. Okay. I, can, I can't wait to, to open it up, you know? But it, it just came to my mind, as I said, because you said that just a small step, you know, can change your entire life. And I totally agree with that, especially when, when it comes to smiles. You know, I have a thing for smiling, and I always advise people, regardless of how angry you are, just try to smile to the first, people that, first person that you meet, you know? Because you never know what an impact a smile can have on someone's day. So... Yeah, I'm so true, I'm hoping- and the science, the science to back that up too, just so you know. Yeah, i I read something, I think last year, about how the brain does not um, make any kind of difference between what's reality and what's, what's actually um, fake. So, yeah. the, so the first advice that was, there was a list of five, but I only remember very well one. Uh, one of the points mentioned which was smile because your brain will then receive all those vibes that you are happy and yet yet you're just you know faking it but yeah. in the end your brain will just believe it so it will brighten your day just by smiling. It's, it's true and um, we, we've got mirror neurons in our brains so that
1: when you smile it's a natural response for, for me to smile in response to that.
0: Yeah yeah and that's proven for sure. I know. So, I mean, it's really, it, it sounds,
1: I'd love to encourage your listeners. I'm sure there'll be a listener right now who's turning their nose up at that. Try it. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, what have you got? You've got nothing to lose by that. You try that for a whole day. Try that for a whole day. Smile at people on the street. People are shocked, and that's actually kind of sad. Do you find that when you smile just randomly? Yeah, they're going to say that you're nuts. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But then, you know, to your point, you never know the impact that that has made on someone else. Um, and at the same time, you're actually changing your own physiology. It does change your physiology. And so I, love, I love that. That, like, that is an example of one small step. And it's going back as well to what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation and, and before we started recording, we started chatting about this a little bit about um, next level of discomfort.
0: Yeah. Please tell us about it. Yeah,
1: so I was interviewing on my show one of my secret mentors. I revealed it to you that that was someone who I've been looking up to for for quite a while in the you know the personal development space. And um, I reached out and I went to my next level of discomfort by asking her to be on my show, and I didn't even you know. I've asked other people to be on my show, big people to be on my show, and they've not even responded. And so I was sort of, you know, well, that's, that might be what happens here. And when she said yes, I fell off, like almost fell off my chair. <laughs> so um, I didn't call it the next step or the next level of discomfort. But when, when she was on the show, she was talking about doing the work, how in the personal development space, and I've been guilty of this, and I don't know if you've been guilty of this too. Yes. Listen, I wouldn't be maybe guilty of this as well. I can admit it. <laughs> yeah, like doing the reading, listening to the podcasts, um, taking great notes, um, having great intentions. All oh, that's great. And I'm not saying don't stop doing that. Like keep doing those things. But at some point, you've got to do the work. Right.
0: At and some point you got to the work. What, re- what resonated to me very much in that episode because I listened to it um, was the fact that she linked this doing the work with the writing. So you can imagine that that spoke to me on probably yeah. from another level, you know, because you were asking her about how, uh, how to encourage people to start writing, right? Yeah. And she just linked it to doing the work.
1: Yeah, it's, and it sounds... It sounds so silly and simple, yet really often the most profound things that you can do in your life to make the shifts and pivots that you want are actually far simpler than you think. And so doing so doing the work was was what you know what sort of started the conversation to then, you know, so then what do you do? And um it's not about taking a leap across the Grand Canyon necessarily. It might be just having taking a little like, taking a jump mm-hmm. like you're playing hopscotch you don't have to go and jump across grand canyon you don't have to go and do a big thing like bungee jump but if if the next level of discomfort for you is playing hopscotch then just do that kind of jump and i feel like that takes so much pressure off
0: It right. takes so much pressure off you know that's funny you just mentioned sorry for interrupting you just mentioned hopscotch you know what I did last summer? I actually jumped hops <laughs> with my girls in the park. And they I were birds it. just looking at me like crazy, you know? Like, oh my God, look at her. She has two girls and she does that. But, you know, well, anyway, this will take the conversation in another level, on another level, speaking about the inner child, because I want to get there with you as well. But I'm going to let you finish this. And just move on afterwards. (laughs) Well I I think I think
1: we're good like I think that was that's really was the takeaway and the thing I wanted to share most um, was to remove that fear of having to do it right and having to um, I I often think about writing an essay when I was in high school um, you know I would write how many versions of an essay, get how many people to revise it and give edits before I submitted my final essay for marking by the teacher. I feel like once you become an adult, like when did we stop being able to do drafts? When did we stop being able to do the rough draft? Like think about your book. How many drafts did you have to do and get people to give feedback and, 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 and edit it? Quite a lot. Yet when we're making big changes in our life, I feel like we have the expectation of ourselves. Mm-hmm that we're gonna do it, we take the leap, and it has to be right the first time we try it. It's just, I don't understand where we get that. And and I think that inserting some kindness and recognizing that just through the next level of discomfort step, just gives you put self permission to be just, uh,
0: to imperfect. define, yeah, imperfect, yeah. Let me, let me tell you something else. You said, um, you mentioned my book and I'm going to tell you a short funny story about this. Um, I was a bit in a rush to print it. Mm-hmm. So the first version, the printed version on a local, um, here locally actually had a few mistakes, but still I just left it that way because I, I couldn't afford to change it. Yeah. But only after I had my book launching event, I started recording it because I want to have an audiobook as well at some point. And when I started recording it, I realized the mistakes that were, that were in it. And before I had the chance to put it out on the international level, I also made the corrections. So there's still a few people out there internationally that I will send the raw version because I know that they will... Um, they will appreciate more to see the raw work, you know, Mm -hmm. than the improved Mm -hmm. one. So I was actually seeing a lot of material put out there about how we should allow ourselves to be perfectly imperfect. And I said, you know what, damn it, just go for it. I'm going to do that, you know. And to my surprise, until this day, not a person that bought that first version printed from my book launching no one told me that you know what i I found that mistake, or you know what it it's not cut straight. the book is not cut as it should be, or something like that. you know so you know the bottom line here would be that we are actually criticizing our our work more than others do right and i I, oh, I know that I've heard you speaking about this as well, how you know we can be our worst critics, but please. Go ahead and tell us something more about this and how do you see, you know, that a person can um, take a stand uh, for not being um, such an enemy enemy to themselves, so to say, because we're enemies to ourselves sometimes, right? Absolutely. I was going to use the word bully. We bully ourselves and we're an
1: an enemy. I think it's really really quite as strong as that. I remember growing up, my mom, my mom you know, I was very fortunate. I really, really was. I, I, had a, I had a wonderful upbringing, and so I recognized that not everyone had, had, had that luxury. Um, my mom used to say to me all the time, because I was always a high achiever, I still am, she would say to me constantly, be kind to yourself. And it used to annoy me as a kid. It annoyed me like, like to all get out. I, I hated it when she would say that to me. But that's something that stuck with me and I feel so fortunate that she told me that. Because am I always kind to myself? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I hear that voice very, very frequently. I hear that that kind mother voice saying, be kind to yourself, always." And so um, the first thing I would encourage um, others to, to to do, if they don't even know what I'm talking about, if they don't even know what voices that they're talking about. Like we all have that inner that that voice inside our head that's either constantly criticizing us mm-hmm. or constantly um oh not constantly or cheering us along. Um, I think it's really easy to identify that voice if you and hear that voice when you're in a time of stress or in a in um I can think about I, I love to run. Um, And I love to lift weights. And when things get really tough, either in a race or I'm just trying to push out the last few reps, I can hear that voice really loudly then. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is not even aware of their voice, I think when you're in a time of sort of intense stress, positive stress or negative stress, start listening to that voice then. And you'll start then hearing your voice a little more frequently. And pay attention to what that voice is telling you. But that's the first thing, is just start paying attention. Once you've started hearing that voice and you recognize, wow, that's, I'm mean. Like, I'm really mean to myself. I'd encourage, I'd ask, would you say that to a friend? Would you say that to your child? Would you say that to a friend? Would you speak to a friend that way? And if the answer is no, then
0: why on earth are you saying it to yourself? And if the answer is yes, there may probably be people who will answer with that yes too.
1: That they would speak to someone else like that, then then I don't think they'll listen to your podcast (laughs) (laughs) because I don't help those. I don't know how those, I think those people are so far on a, I think they're on a a different kind of journey. And, and I would, um, I would hazard a guess that they're, they're harming others. If the answer is yes, I would speak to someone else that way. I, um, I'm sorry if it's a bit harsh, but I would suggest you're actually harming others and that I do believe, one of, one of, um, one of my boys uh, was, was identified with a variety of learning disabilities when he was really quite young. And so I've done tons of reading and learning and met with all sorts of um, professionals around this to make sure that we can give him the support that he needs to have access to the world in the same way that everyone else has access to it. Mm-hmm. And one of the professionals um, that I met with, he said, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah that's true. And I was the, I was gobsmacked. You know, this was a little person at that time. He was, he was six. He was holding knives to his throat. He was really physical with me. Um, and I was the only one that he was physical with. It's like, I was that safe place that he could let all of his frustrations out. You know, over the course of the day when he was struggling through life, I was that person who was that punching bag. And I, although I knew that to be true, I understood that this little person was hurting. Once, once that therapist said that to me, it just, I mean, I mean, it crumbled, you know? And so thankfully he is, he is thriving, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's always stuck with me. So to just getting back to your question, which was kind of funny. And I actually have some other things I would say about that person, if they actually said yes, I do speak to other people that way. But my kind response is, um, that person's probably hurting themselves, right? They're probably hurting themselves,
0: which is why they're hurting others. True, because they don't respect themselves, right? Because I, I am true believer. I'm a true believer that respect starts with ourselves. And no after that, we can, you know, just channel it, just like universal love, right? Starts with ourselves and then we can channel it to the others. But you
1: can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have self-love, how are you giving, or kindness, um, it's hard to afford. It's so hard to give that to others. Um, but I have, I, I've got, a, I've got a name for my voice. Mm. I've got a name for my voice, and I call her Sally. <laughs> a lot, I do. I don't know why I came up with Sally. I'm sorry if there's a listener listener that's called Sally, because I no, there was no connection to the name. Just happened to be what I came up with. And um, it's going now to your comment about your inner child, like. I, um, some people I've heard speak really, really meanly to that person inside them and that my Sally is just trying to keep me safe. Sally is just trying to keep me safe, but Sally doesn't know that I have other things that I want to do in this world that are going to make me uncomfortable and put me at risk in some ways, right? Put my ego at risk right, and I'm fine with that. Put um, my lifestyle at risk, put my finances at risk. And so Sally's trying to keep me safe, trying to stop me from doing things that would make me uncomfortable. And so I recognize that that's, that's what Sally's trying to do. But I put Sally in a timeout a lot. But I don't swear at Sally. Some people swear at their voices. I'm like, it's like, no, that's part of who you are. That's actually your inner child. And, and so I can't condone being mean to yourself when I'm trying to talk to people about being extend kindness to themselves. <laughs>
0: We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey of our business startup, or we're coaching, or we're writing, and we want to spread the word about us. We all know that it is pretty difficult to get the word out there, but that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Aniti. I would love to work with you further on and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand.
1: Get ready for the free global app that works for you. Work App is set to revolutionize the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? a global messaging service, and you can also post all types of events and courses, and you can buy, sell, or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you. So that's kind of how I, um, I look at um, offering yourself kindness um, and how that's related to the, the inner child. I'd be interested in hearing your take on the inner child. Mm. <laughs> well, I just like totally flipped the tables. I'm sorry. This is your show.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Well, what I can say about my inner child is that she's a rebel. She doesn't have a name just <laughs> me, but she's a rebel she's she has always been a rebel and unfortunately at this point I'm disappointed with myself because of the inner child because I don't let my inner child play that much with my girls because I need to put a business in place so there's where I blame myself and I'm still trying to work on not blaming myself you know yeah. but I love my inner child and she's that kind of the person Uh, She's actually the opposite of your inner child, that she was actually the only one who has ever supported my dreams. And the one that always whispered in the back of my mind saying that you can do that. You just need to try and you can do whatever you put your mind at. And I think that's where it started, uh, you know, for me to teach my kids that their mind can be their super their superhero or their worst enemy. So actually last summer from um, while taking a challenge, you know, the seven lessons, seven stories challenge, I think, from LinkedIn, um, the first one was actually with my girl and it was called Your Brain is Your Superhero because an evening before, she, uh, her her sister was asleep and I asked her why aren't you sleeping and she said if I'm falling asleep I'm gonna dream I'm gonna have bad dreams and I said if you start thinking like that you will have bad dreams mm-hmm. and I asked her why do you think that you're gonna have dreams I don't know I'm gonna have monsters and I'm, I'm gonna cry and stuff like that and we started a, a conversation out of there and from that conversation we we got to the point where I told her that Actually, her brain is her superhero. And she, I think she fell in love with that phrase. And she, it was her actually that said it in the video that her brain is her superhero. And I'm trying to rehearse it every now and then with her. Because I want her to allow her inner child when she will be an adult, um, to remind her of the fact that her brain is her superhero and that she can do whatever she wants. And you know, is, is valid for the other as well, for both of my girls. It's just that at this point in time, the elder one is more receptive. It's more like pays yeah. yeah. attention to me, even if there's just uh, 14 months difference between them. But the younger one is the creative one. And I can see myself somehow in her because she's such a rebel for God's sake. Yeah. She <laughs> would always go against whatever I tell her to do whenever I'm talking to her, she would look through me yeah, as in, you know, through a glass. And if I'm asking her, what are you, what did I just said? And she's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and I have been just previously spoken for half an hour. she was not listening to absolutely anything. So, yeah. You know what? I can, I,
1: I just wanted to comment on something if I, if sure. I could, but what you said, um, that actually made me feel a bit sad um, for myself. And that's, I have no idea what my inner child was when I was growing up, when I was young. I did not even become aware of this kind of, this, this voice, or I did not start listening to my soul's whispers until I was about 30 years old.
0: Mm. Um, and well, so I, th- I don't think even- we're in... Sorry for interrupting. I think we're in the same boat. Because that's the point when I I started to become fed up with what what was going on in our in my life. And right. when I said that I want something different. So right. I'm with you on on the thirty years old journey. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I feel like my inner child is actually the child that I was growing up. I was safe. Mm-hmm. I was Um, I did the right thing. I was a people pleaser and I love, I love making people happy. I truly, truly do. But I did that to, at the expense of making myself happy. Right. That was, that was, that was where, like, I think everything is a continuum. Exercising is a continuum. Drinking alcohol is a continuum, right? Between healthy and unhealthy. And I think people pleasing is another example of, it's just a continuum. There's a healthy element of it. We can't walk around the world just thinking about ourselves. We do want to connect with and and bring joy to other people, but just not at the expense of ourselves. So I feel like my inner child, I feel like I'm living a rebel life now, and it's my inner child. It's almost like maybe it's done a flip-flop maybe. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I think really being aware of uh, you being your biggest, I love the superhero comment. Are you being, (laughs) but are you, say say that again to me.
0: Your brain is your superpower? Your brain is your superhero superhero your brain is a superhero i love i like that a lot thank you (laughs) she she did too i mean (laughs) you know she they're at that age where they they just love stories with superheroes and watch all those tv shows like cartoons and stuff with superheroes they play in the kindergarten with about superheroes you know and i I thought that that was the best way for her to actually understand what I'm telling her yeah. of how powerful her brain was. So I think that subconsciously, that's, that's the explanation of why I brought it up this way. But I'm happy okay. I did. And I'm happy that she perceived it well. And I do hope that that will live with her, you know, that it will be a takeaway for her for the rest of her life.
1: Because I, I wish I had you. that. Maybe she'll be on a podcast when she's, you know, she's, she's my age. And the same way that I talked to my, talked about my mom telling me about kindness. She's going to be telling the story about how you taught her the superhero. No, uh,
0: <laughs> Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish she will. Um, maybe she will have her own show one day because she wants to become uh, a star. That's her dream. Love it. She sings. <laughs> and she directs plays, you know, <laughs> as in. I love it. The last summer, she was just uh, grabbing a mic, a microphone, and she was singing. And she was directing her sister where to stay, how to dance, when to go, get out of the stage because it's her stage, and <laughs> stuff like that. So she was. She is a brilliant. true leader, isn't she? Like talk about yes. leadership
1: qualities coming out at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, for it sure. Is, it's it's great. I mean, she she has already the things that I work with with my women on, which is clarity, confidence, and courage. She's got all those ingredients, like good on her. She's set.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying hard to entertain that spirit in her, you know, because she has her insecurities. For instance, when I had my book launching event, um, I wanted them to be with me on the stage because that's how I felt, you know, that I can actually leave a legacy to them because they see me reaching my first dream. And because of that, I wanted them to be with me on the stage so that in a way I include them in the story, you know, so that they don't feel left outside. Um, And I said, you know what, I want you to say this and I want you to say this. So the young one was supposed to say hello in Romanian and the other one was supposed to say hello in English because my presentation, even though made in Romania, I, I, I did it in English because I had... Uh, international guests on the panel Um, and the other one was like I don't want to go there I don't want to be on the stage even (laughs) though she has that spirit that I told you about I don't want to be on the stage and I asked her why what is the reason why are you why don't you want to be there and she said I'm afraid and by talking to her you know I I learned that she was afraid because of what people might say about her Mm. And do you know how I you wanna know how I convinced her to get on the stage? She was on the stage in the end. It was like I said, you know what? I'm scared. I'm really scared. I don't want to (laughs) swear. I really am very very scared to get on the stage, but I want to I will get on the stage and I'm gonna punch that fear in the face. And I just made this, you know, gesture with uh with my fists like showing to punch someone in the face. And I said, I'm so afraid to be out there in front of all those people, but that's exactly why I'm doing it because I want to crush that fear. And she continued to cry and she fell asleep in my arms. But in the morning, she woke up, she said, hello and welcome. So she said everything that she had to say for the booking event, uh, book launching event. And I said, does this mean that you want to be on the stage? And she just laughed with her whole face, and she said, yes. So it was then when I realized how much of an impact the power of example has on children, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. showing them that you are actually, as a parent, defeating your own fears along with them, it, how important that is for them. you know. Because I believe that a lot of parents are trying to hide the fact that they're scared the fact that they're making mistakes so that the children don't see the vulnerable part of them. But from my perspective, that's, that's a huge mistake. I mean, I let my kids see, see me cry. And this is how they will learn compassion. And by taking them, you know, with celebrating with them, people said, okay, but you need to leave, leave the kids Uh, outside of the event they're gonna get bored they're gonna start crying they're gonna whatever and I said no I want them to be there with me I want them to see how things are going you know and it was the best evening for myself and for them too and they're gonna have hopefully they will have a nice memory you know when when they grow up. No, no question.
1: I mean, I I think that we have a responsibility, so many responsibilities as parents. Yeah. Um, But I feel a strong responsibility as a, as a woman um, to show other women what's possible.
0: Precisely. And probably that's another, another aspect why I wanted to show my girls because I want to bring them up as powerful women and not be, I think that I can say that I was stupid. So I don't want them to be as stupid as I was, and mm-hmm. just, um, you know, I had my share of people pleasing to that extent where I just overlooked my own self, just like yeah. you said. Yeah. So I don't want them to be, be like that. I mean, it's not, it's not as if it's my choice in the end, it's their choice, you know, but at least I give them the choice to see all sides. Absolutely. So that and I, they decide I, I, in the end what they want to be.
1: And I think in this world of this social media um, frenzied world where we see photos with filters, yeah. and, uh, we see a very two dimensional view of a one dimensional view of people and their lives. Yeah. You mentioned the word vulnerability and that's a really big piece of what I believe um, is missing from missing from our world and and our interactions, both in personal lives as well as business. And when you can show, when you can let your guard down and show your vulnerabilities, it it does wonders to build relationships, to build trust. um, And that's with whatever relationship you're talking about.
0: Right, right. I agree with you on that. And I remember that in one comment to someone post, Precisely on vulnerability, I mentioned at the end that do you know what happens when people learn that vulnerable side of you? They fall in love with human nature. So I truly believe that the more open that we become, the more open other people will become towards us. And that will only make this world more beautiful, you know, it's just a better place, I think.
1: Absolutely. I mean, because when you, I mean, I'm not, I'm actually not a religious person. I was just going to use something, I think, from the Bible, like love your neighbor, like, like, uh, like yourself or something. Right. One of the 10 commandments. I grew up in the church, but I'm not religious now. And, and I think the only, the only way that we can, we can improve, um, improve the world is to look at our neighbors, literally our neighbors and people across the ocean. Mm-hmm. is we look at them like ourselves and you do that by opening up, by seeing the human, by you know, opening up the heart. Um and it's only then that we'll we'll really make some positive change. And but we're not gonna change the world in this conversation today. But that's my thinking, <laughs> wow, on how to make how to make an impact. But we can do that one conversation at a time. Exactly. So, yeah, ability
0: to do that. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. You said that you're not a religious person. However, I'm sure that you, and I've heard you say a lot in your show, at least, you know, um, giving hints on that and making posts on on the fact that you are a true believer in the law of attraction, right? Yes. And in my opinion, that doesn't have to do with any religion in the world. It's just a general let's say, law uh, valid for everyone. Yep. So how would you define that for a person that never heard about the law of attraction? And why, I mean, not why, how did you come to the realization that the law of attraction actually works for you? That's, a,
1: that's an interesting question. That's tough. And so I think I came about it at a ver- in a very sort of haphazard, haphazard way Mm -hmm. Sort of how my life ended up unfolding, Um, it's quite similar. In that, what you know, I I mentioned that I got to the age of thirty, and I had done exactly what I wanted to in my life. I had the kids, the house, the husband, the the job, the everything, Um, and I was absolutely miserable and really unravelled. It was then that I started to look at my life and think, well, this didn't work. So, if I'm wanting to find some joy, I need to try a different approach. And it wasn't quite as intentional as that. I definitely had a, an internal and mental shift, but it wasn't quite as articulate as that because I didn't, I was searching. Mm-hmm. So I think then I started to show up differently in the world. I started to, to, to expand my heart more and look, look out. And I realized that as that energy shifted in me, things and people that came to me shifted. And so that piqued my interest. And so um, I know we hear a lot, like attracts like, and, and and we talk hear a lot about manifesting. And I believe in manifesting, but manifesting doesn't work without the work. Manifesting right. doesn't work without intent. It doesn't work without action. Um, and so I started, well, I believe in a lot of the fundamentals of the law of attraction. I think it's got a lot of negative, uh, has had a lot of negative press. So I actually don't typically use that phrase because although I use a lot of the elements associated with it, yeah, because I think there's a negative connotation, but um, I really think I really focus on working hard and being really intentional about what, who you want to be in your life, how you want to show up, how you want to be impacting others, figuring out how you go about doing that and taking strong action in pursuit of that but being open to receive what comes your way along that journey. Because being open to receive, that changes everything. Because I can guarantee if you are open to receiving, something better will come along your path that will divert you from your initial, your initial intended outcome that will take you actually where you want and need to be. So I've really answered that in a really fuzzy kind of way but that's actually how I look at um, the elements of law of attraction and sort of my approach to that sort of philosophy and thinking.
0: But that's the interesting aspect, you know, in, in interacting with a lot of people and learning different angles of the same concept. I, I think it's absolutely beautiful that we get a chance to learn how other people see it. Why not? Mm-hmm. We don't need to just go for um, only one commonly accepted idea, right? and we can make, we can all make our own definitions. So I, I definitely like your definition of the law of attraction, but I want to go back for a second. And you said that at some point there was some shift in your, in your mind and in your way of being towards the others. But um, how did you manage to discover what wasn't, what was that aspect that didn't comfort you that didn't give you that um the joy for life and mm-hmm. how did you manage to actually make that shift because when you have everything so to say you had a car you had a family you had everything that you wanted to become right yeah so what was the thing that made you miserable and you wanted to change it that bad and what was the thing that made you admit it in the first place uh, well, I should say that
2: it
1: took me 10 years to go from waking up that day and recognizing this is exactly what I planned my life to be, and I'm really miserable. It took 10 years to get to the point of making change. Mm. So I do want to emphasize, and I, so I really want to emphasize that, um, and it was through that journey of finding my way back to me that I actually found my passion in life. I feel like your pain often becomes, it can become your purpose. And my pain definitely became my purpose. My pain of not knowing who I was, what made me happy, and how to even find it mm-hmm. is now, and that journey that I went through is now what I have made my life's purpose just to help other women. So so what did I, so sorry, you asked me, what did I, what did I do? How did I know? Um, this is kind of hindsight's twenty isn't it? So it was sort of when that, it really was a day that I woke up and, and, and I know that sounds quite dramatic, but it really, it really was. It was almost, there was a very significant event that happened in my marriage um, that I'm actually not even at liberty to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an open book, but I'm, I'm actually not legally allowed to talk about it. That I, I mentioned that because it just tells you sort of how extreme this situation was. Mm-hmm. Um, that I realized was the universe screaming at me in a flash. I honestly saw my life pass by me, you know, and and I'd realized that the universe had been giving me little signals along the way that I chose to ignore. And that it, it was that shake that you've not been listening. Right. You've not been listening. So we're going to make you listen now. You, and there was no ignoring it. And so, I really, at that point, the pain of staying where I was was greater than the pain of any change that I had to make. Right. It's hard to admit that. It's hard to admit to yourself that you've actually that I actually let things get that bad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there was a lot of there was a lot of self criticism. There was a lot of self doubt. And then once and then and then it was like, okay, Louise, pick yourself up. What are you going to do now? Um, and that took, that took a long time. You know, I I, I started with a therapist. Mm-hmm. I started with a therapist. I saw him for probably about a total of six hours. And I attribute a lot. I attribute a massive part of my success in my life to him. I tagged, tagged him a few times on LinkedIn. I keep in touch with him. Even though it was so few hours that he was part actually part of my life, he is forever a part of my life because of how he... Helped me reframe and helped me look at my life in a completely different way, and that started my journey. Um, That was the big, the big step that started me on my journey. Uh, But you don't get anywhere alone. High achievers look, I think, look to to, um, look outside for information, but then look inside to make the transformation themselves. And I don't believe you get anywhere alone. And the moment that I started to open myself up to the help and support of others. The moment that I realized it's okay, to Louise, to not have all the answers, it's not okay to do nothing, but it's okay to know that you don't know what to do and you reach out to help. The moment I accepted that and allowed myself to move in that direction, things things
0: just continue to shift more and more because people want to help. People want to help. Yeah, that's, that's a true fact. And I like to preach in quotes about that, that people actually are beautiful and that they want to help and we just need to give them a chance to help us, right? No question, like we shut that down.
1: We shut that down. We yeah. choose to shut those people out.
0: Yeah, because we're being skeptical about other people, unfortunately, because of the trends of society, because of the belief systems that we are being you know, taught since childhood and we're bringing with us as, as the luggage that is not ours you know, along the way. It's also about
1: being vulnerable because you have to be
0: vulnerable. When you reach out to someone, you are putting yourself
1: out there to potentially get rejected.
0: Precisely, yes.
1: And that's that inner child. That's that inner child that wants to protect you, so, so keeps you small, keeps you safe. But the only way that we actually grow is by taking risk, and we will get hurt. And you know what? We will dust ourselves off. And if you're fortunate, you've got a few good people around you that will be a soft place to land, that will dust your knees off for you, that will love you and say, go back out again. Try again. Right. Yeah. That's what our moms. That's what my mom did. My dad did too, but my mom was more of that, that, that sort of nurture in my life. That's what my mom did. That's what my mom did. And you know what? We, we never lose the need to have a soft place to land. True. we never lose that need.
0: It's a human, it's a human need. It's a human need. That is for sure. And you're lucky to have had such a family beside you. Um, but being in this space, I want to ask you at this very moment, and I would like to end our conversation with this, um, how, what is the way that you choose to make on, on impact on women's life, on, on the life of women that you help today? Tell us a bit about what you do in detail. Sure.
1: So um, the, there are two main ways that I do that. One is through coaching. And so my favorite thing to do is actually group coaching. And my, I, I, I like to bring women together who want to level up in their life um, and through a process of self-discovery. So I, get, I have them go through quite a process of connect to self, discover possibilities, and then respond in a way that brings them closer in closer alignment to the way that they want to be in the world. Um, and when that, those things happen together in collaboration, in, in connection, and in the safety of other women, true, uh, true magic happens. And if it's something that you have never experienced, I encourage you to reach out and find a person or a group of women that you can connect with in that capacity. I believe that, I'm a humanist, and I believe that women need to support women, men need to support men, we all need, we all need to support men, we all need to support each other. But there is something special in sisterhood, and so I do. Um, so I coach. I, co- I coach women um, specifically in, in that sort of capacity, and then I, uh, I too have um, a podcast, a, a live radio show. Actually, I, I do live show because life is live, and so dogs bark. It happens. It's it's my sort of anti. It's my statement against social media and 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 um. I don't know. I, I, it's this funny sort of stance that I have. And it's my way of sort of showing up in a real and authentic way. And so that's why I chose to do a live show and about podcasts. And and my goal through that is to really inspire and motivate all listeners to take brave, bold action in pursuit of their dreams and goals. And so I like to bring people on the show who offer their own story and showcase how they have taken brave, bold action in their own life to then inspire others to do the same in theirs. And so that's actually my favorite hour of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love it. I love it. I know you and I spoke before we came live, um, and said recording that, you know, how much you've enjoyed this journey yourself and connecting with others. It's truly amazing when you can bring, um, other people's stories and lives and experiences and learnings to a broader audience. So we, you and I share that,
0: share that love. Yeah. I'm passionate too. So I want to ask you one more thing, and then a special thing um, to leave the audience with. The first thing is, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, so I'm on all forms of social media, so
1: Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Louise H. Reed is how you can find me there, and then my website is louisehreed.com.
0: That's brilliant. Okay. I'm going to leave this in, in the show notes as well. But now I want you, I would love you if you agree to tell everyone what is your life mantra, because I was absolutely dazzled to hear it in your last podcast show.
1: Feel the feels and trust the process. And it actually is true. That totally was my mantra. That's what started at the age of 30.
0: Feel the feels and trust The process. Thanks, friends. Thank you for for being with me, Luis, today and for creating such a lovely um, atmosphere. Because as I said in the beginning, I was very, very um, excited, anxious, whatever you want to call it, you know, nervous to have you on the show. But I'm really happy that we've come so far and that we've covered so many topics. So once again, thank you very much for um, being with me today. I wish you a lovely day and abundant times ahead. Thank you so much. Have you heard of Arian? If not, you may want to head to Amazon, look for The Man, The Moon, and The Gascade. That's my book. (laughs) I know that you will fall in love with the main character and with the person that pops up on the way in order to help him. Unveil that adventure which is called self-development. So, let me know what you think. Thanks. Hey
2: everybody, David here. Do you guys like science fiction? If so, I just released a novel. It's called Hurtling Toward a Home, A Story of Hope. It's set many hundreds of years in the future when Earth just couldn't support us anymore. We thought we had more time. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't listen to what was being said. And now we have to suddenly build ships and figure out a place to go, but where? So we decide to just go everywhere, to just send ships off in every direction that any scientist has ever said could potentially support human life. To give us the best chance of survival, we're going to try every planet. So we built ships and loaded supplies and robots on them and shipped them ahead to try and prepare and test the planets uh, to make sure that they were suitable as we were building our fleet to leave for our great exodus from Earth. This particular story follows one ship, the Hope, and one young man, Jonathan, as he's always dreamed of living this life of adventure from what he's seen from old Earth movies. And read in novels. And he longs for that type of of an adventure. He longs to set foot on a planet. And yet, he is not. But after his 16th birthday, he gets sent off on a secret mission. And an adventure that he never thought he would ever be able to live. I am so excited to share this journey with you guys. And I thank you guys for checking it out again hurtling towards a home story of hope by David Calvert
0: thank you for reaching the end of this episode I wish you an amazing day ahead and please don't forget smile at life and life will smile right back at you